Pick Six Podcast. It's a Wednesday. Your uh, you did your taxes. Congratulations, or not? Maybe you didn't. Maybe you got an extension. Um, and if you did that, good for you too. Congratulations on evading the federal government. Jason Lockenfora, joining us today on this. Uh, I guess we're like eight days away from the 2018 yeah. NFL Draft, and smoke is billowing. JLC, what's going on, man? I'm all right, man. You know, I, I believe I'm in good standing with the federal government and the uh, Internal Revenue Service. I, I believe I am. Checks are in the mail. There you go. That's good. Um, so, again, we're recording. We actually recorded this one early Tuesday because Jason and I both spend our afternoons chasing around small children and being yeah. annoyed at, at various things. And so if something breaks on Tuesday night, maybe we'll have tapped it on. But but more than likely, we'll just leave it as it is. Uh, we're going to hit some news, and then we're going to talk some draft stuff. First up, according to Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports, Aaron Rodgers is, quote, frustrated, end quote, with being basically with the idea that Alex Van Pelt, his quarterback's coach, is gone, and Jordy Nelson, his best friend and former wide receiver, is gone. And he, he he thinks he should be part of the decision making process. You know what, Jason? He to me he sounds like a millennial. <laughs> yeah, boy. If he was going back into the draft, maybe they'd drop him even further than last time around. That's right. Um uh look, uh I think it's pretty well known and established at this point that Jordy Nelson is his best friend on the team and that he was very close to Van Pelt. And he didn't love uh, he didn't love those moves. And I frankly was surprised that they cut Jordy Nelson just because Rodgers had let it be known throughout that building um, how much he still thought Jordy had left in the tank and how much they needed Jordy in the red zone. And, you know, they're not exactly overflowing with offensive weapons there. So that for, for a young GM to come in and, and uh, kind of guns a-blazing like that uh, and, and – Maybe some people don't think of it in those terms, but but I did. I was a little surprised. I thought you might placate the franchise a little more than that. Um, and the coaching, shuffling the coaching staff up a little bit, uh, yeah, he, he, he wasn't thrilled about that, and I don't think that's a newsflash or an, a new revelation. Um, but you know what? Ben Roethlisberger was really unhappy when they brought mm. <laughs> Todd Haley in. And that ended up lasting, what, six or six years or seven years? And he had some of his best seasons there because he had grown very close to Bruce Arians, and there hadn't been a lot of change there. So change isn't always necessarily a bad thing. Where, where I can't vouch for this reporting is the idea that Rodgers thinks he should be making these decisions himself or at least <laughs> should be, you know, consulted and listened to from on high. I, I, I have not heard that. Um, might be true. Might not. Um, the person close to Rogers, you know, the degrees of how close he is and has he actually had these conversations with Aaron, you know, could it be one of the myriad agents at athletes first who, um, are often backbiting and backclawing each other to move up the ranks there mm. and, uh, who obviously want Aaron Rodgers to be paid yesterday. I don't know, maybe. The, um, so I wouldn't be freaking out about this if I live in Green Bay, to be honest. It's, it's basically the gist of it. Like Aaron Rodgers is going to come in a little bit more on edge than normal, probably. And they're going to have to address the contract before the start of the season. And, again, that's, that's, not, that's not breaking news. 
And there's change there, and it's been shifted around. And, and I'll say this. If Jimmy Graham is the kind of non-factor for mm. the most part for Aaron Rodgers that he was for Russell Wilson, then I think you got – like that's when problems arise. Because if that's the guy who's supposed to replace him in the red zone, and maybe he will catch a bunch of five-yard touchdown passes and you know end up with 12 touchdowns, and even though he's not really that good of a player anymore, you could justify it. But that was a very real, tangible shift. I mean, what they would have had to give Jordy, in my estimation, they overpaid to give Jimmy. And if Jimmy's not anything close to a difference maker, that's when I think you might, you know, have Aaron Rodgers thinking, I told you so. And maybe that's where things get a little funky. And I think, too, the other thing is, if when you talk, when you hear this stuff, and look, I, mean, I think Charles Robinson does a great job covering it, so we're not in no way indicting anything he does, but it is a, it is a product of Aaron Rodgers Anytime, anytime you have a lead up to contract negotiations between a franchise quarterback and a team, you always start to hear these whispers from either side that ultimately play into the factor, you know, factor into the negotiation and the numbers at hand. For instance, you know, um, would it be surprising if at some point leading up to it, you heard some sort of report that the Packers are questioning whether or not Aaron Rodgers, you know, can win a second Super Bowl? You know, I mean, I'm not saying that's actually going to happen, but these these sides play dirty when it comes to these contract negotiations and are more than willing to leak well, stuff out. I mean, it's it's just it's part of the business. I'll equate it to this. I wrote a column on Russell Wilson probably a month ago, maybe five weeks ago. Yeah, I linked it up the other day. Uh, it's a good piece. About you know, no, but there's no conversation here, and the team hasn't initiated anything, and he's a little baffled by that. But if you represent Russell Wilson and he keeps being Russell Wilson, no way in hell are you going to the team because you're going to be a $35 million a year quarterback. And I had people close to Russell saying he had concerns over sort of the state of this team and what they've done this offseason and is the offensive line really any better and do they have any more weapons than a year ago and are they going to be able to run the ball any better than they have since Marshawn Lynch left. But I didn't have somebody close to him saying, and they should have told, you know, they should have asked Russell about all this first, and he thinks he should be consulted. You know what I mean? Um, they changed the entire scheme. It's a very similar situation, yeah. right? They blew out Daryl Bevel, who he had, had a, a, a comfortable working relationship with, and they said, we're going to challenge Russell Wilson now by bringing in Brian Schottenheimer, who, um, let's just say, wasn't a coveted coordinator around NFL circles. But, I, you know, I, I think that's where you have to be careful. Is, is someone putting words in Aaron Rodgers' mouth? Because I, I had multiple people telling me the same thing about Russell's degree of frustration, but it wasn't like, oh, and they better run this stuff through him in the future. So uh, you, we'll see. I think those, those situations are, are more similar than not. Both have two years left on their deal. Um, you know, both have been with those teams their entire careers. Both have won a Super Bowl there. Um, and, and both are at a point in their careers where Aaron has been hurt, and Russell knows if I keep having to run for my life every other play – I'm going to be the next one with the broken collarbone who misses 12 weeks, 14 weeks, eight weeks, whatever. Um, but I would just be careful about the distinction of where the frustration and the emotion comes from. You know, because had they gone out and added, you know, replaced Jordy Nelson with Sammy Watkins. I don't even know. Uh, somebody better. Uh, Alan Robinson. <laughs> Sammy Watkins, guys. Alan like, Robinson. Whatever. Had they traded for Odell Beckham? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Then I, I don't think you'd be seeing these reports. And at the end of the day, what is it really about, Will? You're right. It's about money and a little bit of trepidation. Like, are these guys going to – if they're not going to pay me, 
then they better keep me healthy enough so that I get to the market to where somebody else gives me that 35 a year. Right, exactly. Speaking of the Seahawks, by the way, uh, I believe, I don't think that they have done it officially, but it sounds like Malik McDowell, who was their second round pick from 2017 and, um, and their first overall pick from that year because the Seahawks, as they are wont to do, didn't yeah, have a first right round pick. Um, it sounds like they're going to get rid of him. Uh, and again, I don't think that it's official, but it wouldn't be a huge surprise given we talked about this previously, his medical issues, um, and, and what he's gone through. Uh, a, are you hearing, are you hearing that McDowell's time is running up in Seattle? And B, are you starting to get worried about the recent draft classes for the Seahawks? Well, they haven't been as good. They have not been as been- robust. And it's hard when you start picking every year, you know, between 28 and 32. It gets tougher, and let's face it, some of these drafts haven't exactly been overloaded with talent, even at the top, much less at the bottom of the first round. They have um, one. No two ways to say it. They have one I'm pick. Sorry? No, no, they have one. Their highest pick since the 2013 draft is number 31 overall. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah, this year they're picking low 20s, and that's like a bonanza for them. Um, so that look, that has something to do with it. They, they've taken some gambles, and a lot of them haven't worked, frankly, in the draft and in, in the trade and free agent market. Uh, but they've still been, you know, next to the Patriots the last six years, they've been the best franchise in the NFL um, in terms of sort of sustained uh, sustained ability to compete. Uh, last year was the first time they missed the playoffs in five or six years. You're not going to keep anything together especially not when you get to have six or more guys who are among the highest paid in the world at what they do. I mean, when you've got the highest paid free safety, the highest paid strong safety, a top three to five paid quarterback, a tight end who was in the top three, um, uh, a couple of linebackers who are certainly in the top 10 and compensation at their positions. You know, they just did, or they redid Bennett's deal a couple of years ago. You know, it's it, it, you, good luck keeping all that together. For more than three or five years, the McDowell situation, I had heard and reported shortly after it happened that it was incredibly serious. It was something that may preclude him from playing football again. And you're talking about neck and serious neck and spine issues after that ATV crash. I mean, so the timing of this, how much of it is just insurance? You know what I mean? How much is the doctor saying, look, you know, there isn't really a, a future for him you know, here or, or the team's level of comfort from a, a medical side or an insurance side being willing to ever really put him on the field or certainly anytime soon. Um, and I'm sure there's a level of frustration as well. I mean, this was, um, I mean, it's unfortunate and, and, and it's, I'm not saying it or implying it's anybody's fault, but it's not like this happened on a football field. So, yeah, it, it is sort of them. Look, I mean, they've had a bad run of these things. I mean, you, you, you look at Cliff Averill, you look at Cam Chancellor, and you look at McDowell, three guys who could have been potential difference makers at different points on the field, and they've all got sort of spinal column situations that will likely end their football careers. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really wild to look at the juxtaposition of 2010 through 2012. And look, and this is not – I'm not trying to – bag on the Seahawks draft class from 2013 to 2016 or 17. But I mean, they came away in those three years. Excuse, yeah. So two thousand, so excuse me, 2011, no, 2010, 2011, 2012, they came away with Russell Okung, Earl Thomas, Golden Tate, Cam Chancellor, 
K.J. Wright, Richard Sherman, Byron Maxwell, Malcolm Smith, Bruce Irvin, Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, and J.R. Sweezy. I mean, those are, and, and Jeremy Lane's in there too. I mean, that is an insane haul. Yeah. And then you see, you know, you're right. They were picking like 15. Um, you know, they had the six and the 14th pick in that 2010 year. And then their best players really, I think it's like Justin Britt, Tyler Lockett, and Frank Clark that they pulled out of those classes. A guy like Paul Richardson, who was their first pick in the 2014 draft, 45th overall, now gone in free agency. Um, German Effetti was their, their only uh, first round pick over that stretch. And he hadn't developed into, you know, the offensive lineman they would hope, but, but you haven't, know, I mean, had some moments, but, but certainly he's been injured. Yeah. Jerron Reed, Malik McDowell were supposed to, you know, reinforce that defensive tackle. I mean, is, are the, this is where the Russell Wilson stuff to me gets interesting. And I mean, you wrote about it. Is it, is there any chance that Russell Wilson or the Seahawks, is there, okay, is there any chance that Russell Wilson says, Hey guys, this feels like a reboot to me and I'm interested in something else? Or is there a chance that the Seahawks say, you know what? Maybe we should draft a quarterback early. Cause if we got a quarterback who's cheap, we can, uh, you know, we can sort of rebuild the team a little differently. I would not be surprised at all if they took a quarterback on day two. Wow. Um, I, I would not. If there's one they like who's there and it's in the right spot and he's sticking out on their board, I don't think they've done all his work on quarterbacks just um, for free agency five years from now if one of them hits the market. So I, I, that would not surprise me. Um, and, and the rubber's going to hit the road here in, you know, 10 months from now. If they're not – if we get to January, February next year, and they're not actively engaging Russell Wilson and, and trying to put out all the stops and re-recruit him and woo him um, and, and you know, start putting proposals together, then they're going to – I mean, then you should be trying to trade him. I mean, I, I think they're going to have a decision to make between next January to, you know, when they get back from the combine about what are we doing here. And, you know, are, are we, are we giving him, I mean, at that point, I'm going to guess it's 33 a year, you know, maybe I'm depending on what Rogers gets and Matt Ryan mm-hmm. gets and whatever else happens between now and then. I mean, I, I, I certainly going to be North 30. Yeah. Um, he's, he's one of the best postseason quarterbacks in NFL history. Um, what he, I mean, he's done a whole lot with not a whole lot around him. And especially since the demise of Marshawn Lynch. So, I mean, it's going to be a pretty simple calculation. You, you sit down with the owner and you say, okay, are we, are we re-upping with him and rebuilding at, at the, in the, around this model for the next five years? And if we're not, you, 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 don't, you have to trade him next year. Yeah. I mean, you can't do the franchise thing, the franchise tag thing. And at that point, the franchise tag will probably – I mean, what's the franchise tag going to be, 37? I mean, I don't even know what the hell it'll be. It'll be a lot. Um, it's, it's going to be hard to have any, you're not going to get any cap savings that way. Uh, so they're going to, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, that's, that's, you know, as soon as that season ends, especially if they don't miss the playoffs, they're going to have about six weeks there where it'll be incredibly telling whether they're engaging with him, um, on a very active level or, or, or not. I mean, what could you get for Russell Wilson? I think you'd get a ton. Yeah. Well, so in um, the franchise tag is one hundred and twenty percent of your cap hit, right? Not your salary. So, like, it's either it was either the whatever the tag number is or one hundred twenty percent. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that right? 
Well, it's 120% if you're tagging a guy two years. I mean, if the second time you tag a guy, you have to pay him a 20%. Yeah, yeah but I'm saying, I'm saying like if you tag, so like if the Seahawks tag Russell Wilson, just in, in hypothetical, and I, I'll, if the franchise tag number for quarterbacks is 28 million, I think it still would right. be 120% of his cap hit because his, his cap hit in 2019 is 25.286 million, which means gotcha. bare minimum, you're at 30, you're at 31, basically $31 million for a franchise tag, which is completely untenable even in a situation with a cap skyrocket. You just can't have a $31 million one year deal with a guy who might no. be pissed off. Well, and, and, and that, that number might be low because yeah. we've got the, the Cousins deal has just been factored in and we've got at least two more blockbuster quarterback deals that could be at done least. by September. Yeah, right, right. I mean, it could end up being Those 35 guys aren't million. getting less than Cousins. I got news for you. No, 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 no. So, yeah, we're getting way more than um, I mean, you just had a, a very front-loaded Garoppolo deal. You had a record-setting Cousins contract. Uh, and then you've got two more guys who are at least going to be in the top three highest-paid quarterbacks. So you start looking at the top five salaries, the top ten salaries, and, and – and, uh, yeah, no, the franchise tag's not – it's going to be untenable. Right, so, so they either – You know, you're, you're either anteing up – you know, and people forget, too, they did – this one was a little different. This was a four-year deal. So, I I mean, at the beginning of the offseason, I'm just sitting there thinking Russell must have three years left on this deal because he just nope. did it a few years ago. And then you start – and then I start looking at the contracts. I'm like, he's in the same boat as Aaron Rodgers, and nobody's – it's like not even a local story, much less a national story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm on the radio in Seattle every week. Nobody's asked me about this. Nobody asked me about it until I wrote about it. And I'm like, nobody's talking about it in Seattle. Nobody's talking about it nationally. But this guy's a freak of nature Hall of Famer, and he's got the same amount of time left on his deal as Rodgers. And okay. And the, the other thing that the other thing that people sleep on when they talk about Aaron, uh, I mean, excuse me, with Russell Wilson, like Aaron Rodgers has been around for a long time. He got drafted in um, 2007. He's you know he's he's 34. He'll be uh, 35 at the end of the season. People assume that Russell Wilson is a little bit younger, but he's not because he came into the league very old because he transferred yeah. to Wisconsin and played. He's going to be, thir- he's going to turn 30, I believe, 30, yeah. um, yeah. in, in, during this season. I mean, that's, he, he's, he's a little bit older, right? I mean, like he's, yeah, he turns, he, he's going to turn 30 in, on November 29th in the middle of this season, which means that even though he's got two more contracts left in his, body in theory if he you're right if he plays behind that Seahawks offensive line and gets destroyed he's not going to make it to 35 he's got to be in a place where he can he can be protected and he can he can play a game um that doesn't have him being chased around and taking big shots otherwise he won't make that second contract and I think I think Russell's long-term goals are so present in the way he operates in life that he he's not going to be shorted um because the organization decides not to build around him no, he wants to play till he's forty. I mean, yeah. He's pretty adamant about that, and and that's part of his long term plan. But yeah, I mean, I'll go back to the term football mortality. I mean, you you look at all the injuries around the league last year. You look at how um, how much of a burden he's asked to take on his shoulders every week. It seems like most weeks, certainly. Um, I mean, he was their best runner by far. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he dominated the run game and he had an, an, you know, an MVP worthy season passing the football. And they still didn't make the playoffs. I mean. It's, yeah. I mean, and look, the, the thing that, the thing with the Seahawks too is that they, 
know that they built a championship caliber roster by finding a cheap quarterback and by building the defense through the draft. And they might not be confident, as any team could not be confident, that they can build a championship caliber team around a $30 million quarterback. It's just harder to work your budget that way. Okay. Uh, Des Bryant says he wants to go to the Giants. Yeah. <laughs> you sound yeah, skeptical. He's tight with Odell. I mean, I've heard this since he was released. That's definitely accurate. He, um, I talked about it a little bit last week on HQ, on CBS HQ when he was released. I, he, he's tight with Odell, wants to play with Odell, very willing to be, um, the Robin to Odell's Batman. The problem is I don't see Dave Gettleman going down that road in a million years. So um, Dez is not in a position to be like, to be sort of commanding and demanding where, where, where he ends up. He he's, his situation is a whole lot closer to Adrian Peterson's than it is to Kirk Cousins. I'll put it to you that way. Mm. Um, He's not going – it's going to be who wants him and, and who's willing to pay him, and I got news for him. The money is going to be a whole lot closer to Jordy Nelson's money than it's going to be to uh, Sammy Watkins or Allen Robinson's money. Wow. Is it is it a matter of Dez has to choose between – Dez just basically has to swallow his pride and take a role as a second or third passer, a red zone option, a de facto tight end who makes eight eight million. He's gonna make I mean, if he gets, I, I don't think he's doing better than that. I, I really don't. I mean, teams have spent their money. They spent their budgets. I yeah. mean, look at all the wide receivers who got overpaid already. You know, I mean, Jacksonville did it for multiple guys. You've seen other teams do it for multiple guys. I mean, you know, I'm thinking Seattle, New England. I mean, I, Baltimore. I don't. I don't know that you really want. A, I don't know. I've seen these reports that Baltimore's interested. I, I haven't. I haven't really heard that to any great degree. Yeah. I mean, look, anybody at the right price, given their situation, you have to consider. But Crabtree's the same guy, and he's younger and better. Like they need an outside receiver. Yeah. They need a true vertical threat. They need what Prashad Perriman was supposed to be, or what John they don't Brown. Need another could be. lumbering quasi uh, tight end. You yeah. know, so. They got John Brown in the slot for speed, and now you've got Crabtree on one side, and I guess Perriman on the other. They need to replace Perriman and still probably add somebody else, and they need a tight end. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, and I don't know that he's dying to play with Joe Flacco on something that could be close to a proven contract. Yeah, that's so, not that's not a, that's not a good setup for Dez. No, like, you, you really want to go with you know, oh, Marty Morningweg is going to call the best out of me. Eh, I don't think that's <laughs> probably how he's thinking. But those are the kind of teams that, you know, will at least keep an eye on him. To me, New England just seems like this is what they do. Mm. You know, now the price is going to have to be, you got to give Bill Belichick the, the Patriots discount. I don't see him paying Des seven and a half, eight a year. Um, but that would make sense. They lost Cooks, you know, Edelman's coming back. Lost Amendola, Edelman's coming back, but it's you know it's off a significant injury. Gronk mowing, you know he's not retiring. He's going to play there and get paid one more time. But you don't know, you know, a year from now, who knows? And he's obviously an injury. Um, he, he's been been plagued by injuries his entire career. So could they use another you know guy to move the chains? Yeah, I mean, I liked the way Mitchell flashed, but he's a he's a downfield guy and he's he hasn't been healthy. So. You know, something like that could make sense, but I don't think the Giants are in the cards. They got in a – okay. So you, you say no on Giants, even though Des And Des says he doesn't want to play for the Packers either because there's too much history there. It's like, dude, just – if you can get some money, just take Well, again, money. he's going to, like – you know, 
I don't think the Packers are interested in him. Like, people don't view Dez the way Dez views Dez. And right. the market will, will be indicative of that over these next couple of weeks. And again, the Cowboys did him absolutely no favors by releasing him as late as they did, as close to the draft, and after teams had spent the bulk of their free agent money. But he, he's not – I mean, he's a two-slash-three, and a guy who most people are going to think is, is a power forward, box-out box guy, jump ball guy from the slot. And, yeah, you know, from – in the red zone, sure. He, the, that's where the the his, you know the, the the power forward stuff comes into play even more. But he's not a stretch the field guy. He's hurt a lot. He doesn't run like he used to. He's not everybody's cup of tea from an attitude standpoint. Um, he's getting a little long in the tooth, and he's a guy who who probably just that whole factor too of like the self awareness and the market awareness. Like, yeah, he's a pain. You, he's you a know pain what I mean? Do. Like that whole idea of. We don't want to be the ones that have to go through all this and convince him he's not who he used to be. Like, you know, the agents better be doing that because, right. again, this is going to be a lot closer to Adrian Peterson than, you know, Sammy Watkins. All right, let's dive into draft stuff. You did a story talking to Jason Lockenfora at Jason Lockenfora on Twitter. He mentioned CBS Sports HQ. You can check that out at CBSSportsHQ.com. Live 24-7 streaming sports network on the OTT from CBS Sports. It's fantastic stuff. And you can subscribe to this Pick 6 podcast daily, 30 minutes, uh, iTunes, leave a five-star review. People have been rating it a bunch. We appreciate that. I got a note from my boss that says we are growing at a rate that is appropriate or better than oh. appropriate. So that's good. So keep, that's uh, good. yeah, keep subscribing. Is it still the six topics? I forgot to ask at the start. Is it? Um, I, I, I've been six, going a little six, rogue. So like, that's kind of, we've, well, so, well, we're going to do, we've got like, we've done three topics so far, and then we're going to talk about three different things in, within your, your top 10 articles. So, gotcha. So, so, so pick six. Okay. Right. So sort of six, but we've, we've gone longer than we probably should have on the first three, but they're interesting <laughs> topics. Uh, also interesting, you have the New England Patriots trading from, I assume, 23 to 10. Yeah. To get Josh Rosen, who falls to 10, uh, in a swap with the Raiders, break down what percent chance of this happening do you actually give it? Because you're, I mean, it, I know. I, I wish I could tell you. You know what I mean? I mean, Rosen four. might end up going in the top four picks, and then it's all, sure. you know. Then, then obviously, the Patriots aren't trading for him. Anymore. Okay, so better, better question: this, How how yeah, high how high could the Patriots? Is this is this the Patriots' ceiling for where they would draft somebody? I don't know that they would go higher than that. I, I, you're you're really you know at what cost at, at that point, and and how absolutely sold are you on the kid? And again, it's someone who you're praying doesn't even take a snap for at least a year. So I I think that's probably the highest they go. And look, it could turn out that they don't have to go that high. I mean, maybe Rosen falls even more. And I'm not saying that Rosen is their guy. I think they'd love to get Baker Mayfield. I just don't see that happening. But is there a point where one of these kids is at 10 or one of these kids is at 13 or 16 or whatever? Where they're just like, you know what, he could be the guy, and we still we do like him a lot. And at this point, there's value there to do it, um, or you know, potential for value if he becomes the next guy. Uh, and and Rosen just, you know, it just so happened that he fell. And there are people who feel like he's the best pure quarterback in this draft. And yeah, he might not be everybody's cup of tea, and yeah, he's a millennial and whatever else we want to ding him for, but. Bill Belichick in his heart is an economist, you know, that's, he's got an, you know, economics degree. And I think that the, the perceived value at a certain point will make sense. Um, 
you know, and, and I, I could also see him maybe not having to give up quite as much with a guy like Gruden's been out of it for a long time. I mean, you, you know, the Raiders have already done some off the grid stuff. So give him two first. Be like, here's 23, here's 31. I'll give you, give me 10. And here's a, and here, here's, here's two first and the second. And we're done deal. Give me the, give me the 10. And I can see Gruden doing that. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be, it could be something as simple as that. Um, so, yeah, you know, again, I, I, I'm not really truly doing a mock draft until next Thursday. This was more just sort of an exercise. And, okay, let's just assume that Allen goes one. How You know, here's here's one scenario I could see playing out, and, and this was intentionally sort of trade heavy. I mean, I, I have the I have the Bills moving up twice in essence. And maybe that is – maybe that ends up – maybe, you know, maybe there ends up being some sort of three-team trade between – Buffalo, Denver, and the oh, Giants. Okay, wait. There Buffalo, was the there Browns was like the there was some buzz about that on Monday night. You you could you yeah, see a three team trade heard happening? That, but I mean, as I went through this exercise, you know, whenever I wrote this Sunday night for Monday, as I just sort of was going through these scenarios, I almost sort of put, and again, not because I was hearing it, but I was almost like, well, maybe maybe Elway, Gettleman, and Bean just get together. The way I had Bean making two separate trades in the end. I had Bean getting the five and then sort of realizing I'm still not going to get my guy, so let me get the two and just completely sell out to get Sam Darnold. Um, and but get, maybe and, that, yeah, maybe that, that sort it, of materializes in another way, and maybe he gets all the way to one, and maybe he only has to go to four. Or, uh, But I do know that Elway's open for business at five, and I'm becoming increasingly convinced that they're more likely than not to take something other than a quarterback if they stay there. Hmm. So if somebody wants to pay a quarterback tax to get there, I think they're open to it. So in other words, the you think that the Bills look And I at, think Gettleman wants to end up at five. I don't think Gettleman wants to right. end up at 12 right. because Gettleman wants to guard the running back or the pass rusher. Right. And if Gettleman, and five, if Gettleman, if Gettleman goes to five, you know you're getting – you you are guaranteed. You're getting one of those three: Barkley, Nelson, yeah. or uh, uh, Chubb. You're getting one of those three because the trades are for quarterbacks. It, when in yeah. fact, I think that if you go to five, if you're Dave Gettleman, you're guaranteed one of two guys: either Bradley Chubb or Saquon Barkley. Like you don't even have to worry about Quentin Nelson because if you trade out of two, someone nobody's coming up to two to get Saquon Barkley, right? Like they're coming up to two to get a quarterback. No, and then, no those trades are all for quarterbacks. Right, right. Then the only one you have to dodge is number four. Which is the Browns? Like you're basically saying, all right, Cleveland, take take Chubb or take Barkley, and we'll take the other guy at five. If you're if you're Dave Gettleman and you're able to pull that off, and that's a pretty sweet spot to be in, especially if I you, wouldn't rule Nelson out of that equation. I would not rule Nelson out of that equation. You, do you think especially they, at five? You think they would take Nelson over Barkley? I I, I can't tell you for sure, but it's a, it's a conversation. Um, but I would not rule. I I, I wouldn't rule it out. I mm. mean, Nelson. Especially at a time when there's no offense, like nobody's saying anything positive about offensive linemen. I mean, and you got to pay. I you got to pay. Weird thing. doing this because, like, some guys I really trust were thrown around Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, best prospect, best interior offensive line prospect in 15 years. Yeah, beats the snot out of people. Like, comes in your room day one as the alpha male in your lineman room. Like, absolute, just <laughs> kick or bleep it out, whatever you have to do in the run <laughs> game, and also doesn't give up any sacks. And then I'm, I'm like, Hall of Fame? Really? And then, like, I'll be, like, sheepishly talking to somebody, and I'm like, is it crazy to say Hall of Fame for Nelson? And, like, people are like, no. Wow. They're like, nope, it's not. So if, if you really think he's, you know, if that's who he is, 
that and guards are making I mean Norwell, who was a street free agent, is making fifteen a year the first two I mean that's basically a two year thirty million dollar deal. He's making Nate Solder money in the first two years of that deal. And that's when the guarantees are over, the deal's over. And all those Jacksonville deals are only one or two year deals anyway. So if you're paying guards like left tackles, like top of the market left tackles, then drafting a guard even at two, I don't know that he'd do it at two, but I think at five and having gotten value from moving from two to five, I wouldn't rule it out at all. Wow. So there's, so the, but the, look, I don't, disagree, I don't, I don't disagree with you. Either. I think that Dave Gettleman doesn't give one bleep about whether he takes a guard at two, a running back at two, a pass rusher at two. And I think he's so, I don't even know how to describe what he is, but he's just so headstrong or, yeah. you know, he's so like, he's just so like old school football that he doesn't really yeah. want to trade down. Like he doesn't, he's like, I mean, like he will if he knows he can get one of those guys, which I think is why five's a great landing spot. I don't think he'll do a trade. I know people float this. I don't think he'll do a trade that gets him down to 12. Because that means he's off the board for his top guys. I would guys. never say never. It's, well, it's the two first rounds this year and another one and a two. Yeah, that would. You don't think, and you think Buffalo's going five and eleven with you know Sam Darnold this year? That would get it done. That would get it done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and Brandon Brandon Bean is he's a bit over a barrel. I don't think he came this far to hope and pray that Lamar Jackson, you know, or Mason Rudolph is. Is, he gonna, is Dave Gettleman going to do his boy like that? I mean, they were they were like he was his right hand man. I don't think he's doing your boy. I mean, it, it's not like it's not like Bean's only talking to Gettleman. True. I mean, Bean's talking to everybody. I mean, so. You know, uh, he he's talking to Dorsey. I'm sure he's talking to Elway. I mean, I would think he's even talking to Ballard. I don't think six gets him where he needs to be. Um, but six may get him one of the five, one of the top four. You know, twelve is getting him nobody in terms of the of the perceived top four. Yeah, you're you're unless you may get one of the four at six. You're not at twelve. No, that's right, and. The thing about 12 is you can't just sit at 12 and hope that one of like Josh Rosen falls because you, as you point out here, the Patriots or the Cardinals or the, the Ravens or the Chargers or somebody that needs a quarterback for the long haul is going to look at you sitting there at 12 and jump you. And there's plenty yeah. of teams that would jump back for, for a future first. And I'm not saying that all those teams would give it up, but if one of these guys starts to slide, you are going to see someone make a move like, the Chiefs and like the Texans made last year, where they fly up the board and snag a, a quarterback that's falling. In, in in my opinion, I don't I don't think. No, even if you don't have the immediate day one need, I, right. I, I I'm I'm with you. I, I'm I'm with you, and, and Brandon knows that, and and he's he's got the lay of the land. And trust me, it's not like he wasn't talking to the Jets at the same. I'm sorry, to the to the Bills at the same time. I mean, to the, I'll, I'll try this the third time. It's not like <laughs> he wasn't talking to the Colts at the same time the Jets were. Right. You know five weeks ago when that trade was made or, or, or whatever. Um, so he, that, know, and, he knows and the I, cost I of he, doing he's business. Willing to pay the court, he's willing to pay the quarterback tax. It's just a matter of is he, is he paying it at one? Is he paying it at two? Is he paying it at four? Is he paying it at five? And, and again, I wouldn't completely rule out six as a draft day trade, just depending how things go. I mean, if Denver stays and doesn't take a quarterback, you know what I mean? You could get to a position – where Chubb and Barkley are off the board, and would Ballard just take Nelson? I wouldn't. I mean, mm. I, I think he would. He would look at that as a, still a win. But if he could, he go to twelve and maybe still get Marcus Davenport, um, or maybe get Tremaine Edwards uh, yes. Edmonds yes. and pick up 
a bleep load in the process, <laughs> I wouldn't rule that out either. No, I wouldn't either. But right. that's got to happen on the clock, you know? Yeah. Not that they, mean, look, they may have already set up the parameters beforehand, but that scenario would have to play out on the clock. All right, we got to go because we ran long. We did five topics, seven minutes each, but that's fine. Um, it was good draft talk. Jason Lockenfora at Twitter on Jason Lockenfora. I don't have time to ask you about Orioles buzz. We'll, we'll get that next week yeah. before the draft. I know, they stink. Um, subscribe, rate, review. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hopping on the phone, buddy. Hey, anytime, dude. My pleasure.